Hello, everyone. Welcome to the season four epilogue. There'll be no talking, singer, etc. at the end of this episode. When it ends, it is done. And that wraps season four. So I'm talking to you now to let you know that we will be hosting our live season four wrap-up Q&A, just like we always do at the end of our seasons. So um, in the show notes of this episode, you'll see a link to the Google form. Click on that link and go submit your questions after listening to this episode from season four about the finale, the epilogue, anything that's happened this whole season, any of the characters, any questions about the future, whatever. And we will have our Q&A on October 17th. That's Monday, October 17th. Now, that date could change. If it does, we'll be sure to post on our social media, Discord, Patreon, etc. So just keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, I uh, hope that you enjoy this episode. With a snap, the black portal above you all shuts. And Sebastian Blackfire, along with his tiefling bride, are now gone. Towering above you all, Dervetter turns, dropping the head of his great hammer onto the broken stone at his feet. He rests his hands on the end of the long silver handle, and then he speaks. Come to me, souls of the lost. All around you, silver lights begin to rise up through the cracks of broken stone and twisted metal like tiny spheres of pure starlight. They rise up through the floor, at first just a few, but soon there are many more. Dozens, hundreds. You realize all at once these souls are the casualties of this war, stolen by the Unchained, lost in the explosion that tore the arena apart. There's a bright sound ringing out from them like the song of many wind chimes. Dervetter holds out his hands as they swirl up and around him. But as they continue to gather, some slow and then stop right in front of you all, where you're gathered together. A silvery sphere shifts into the hazy form of a human man standing right before you, Claren. Me? Son? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for all, all the pain I've caused you. I'm gonna go now, son. Heck, I, I'm, I'm already gone. He turns to Mogert. Thank you, Mogert. Thank you for, uh, for setting me free. Going back to Claren, you see as his form starts to turn more translucent and hazy. I, I, I don't know what's gonna happen next. But if there's a chance, if there's any chance at all, try to find her son. Maybe, maybe, she can forgive me, forgive me. His form fades, and he joins the chorus of lights around the great god of death. Another light hovers down and stops before you, Mogert. It shimmers and shifts into the hazy form of a gray figure. As it becomes clearly seen, you can tell it's Ogrim. Thank you, 
Mort. Thank you, champion team, for doing what I could not. You're welcome. I go now to my god. Goodbye, friends. Do not let the darkness overtake you. Wow. And then he too joins the chorus of souls. One final soul flutters up before you all, shimmering into the form of a tall, broad-shouldered human. Hey, you guys, so I uh, didn't make it after all, eh? <laughs> oh, no. Jeez, I really thought I had some places to go, you know? But uh, looks like I got some other things to see on, on the other side, so... Um, hey, look, I, uh, I know we never really got to talk it out and become actual friends, but uh, I love you guys. We love you too, Roberto. Do, do me a solid. Uh, go find that tiefling witch and give her give her a one-two for old Roberto, eh? Got it. Oh, I'll give her a one-two. We will. Maybe a three-four. He grins as his shape dissipates once more, and he joins the other souls of the Lost. The lights swirl and spin around Dervetter as he lifts his hands. Slowly, they ascend toward the mountainous ceiling above you all. And then they fade, one by one, like stars going out, passing from this realm forever. Devetter looks down upon the wreckage and upon you all. Hope and Kel and Kilmond lower their great draconic necks in reverence, as does Sinean. I must thank you all for what you've done this day. I am sorry that I could not save these souls. They were taken before their time. I must go once more, as you must soon as well, Chimney, for we have work still to do. This world is not the only realm that is suffering because of the atrocities performed by Blackfire and his ilk. But fear not, he says lifting his hammer again and pointing it toward the great crystal ceiling above him. Soon the gods will walk among their creations once more. We will stand together against the crooked darkness that raises its twisted head. Farewell, for now, my children. And with that, he steps again to the center of the broken arena and as he turns once more to stone the wooden likeness of Atonia grows again into his arms. Is it just us and the dragon standing here? It's you all, the five of you, and the dragons. But as you look around, you'll see Sine, and he kind of like steps back just a little bit, and then he shrinks down to his humanoid form. And uh, now you, you guys see him for the first time in his humanoid form. He's tall. He appears mostly human. But his features are, are kind of dwarven, you know? They're like he, he looks like he's very thick-boned. He's got a big beard. He's like a human-sized dwarf. It's kind of how he looks. It's, it's kind of it's different. You know what I mean? Uh, he's covered in this shining blue plate mail. He's got a big helmet on with a large spike sticking out of the forehead. It's a lot like the spike on his forehead when he's a dragon. Uh, he pulls off the helmet. Uh, running his hands through his thick black mane of hair, he opens his arms toward the two dragons on the other side and says, Hope, Kilmont, I've missed you, my brothers. 
Oh my gosh. And uh, as he says that, you see the other two dragons just immediately start shrinking as well as they're moving towards you guys. You guys kind of step back out of the way and they shrink into their human and dwarf's form like just as they crash into Sinean and they like tackle him to the ground, like hugging and laughing and they're talking over one another. I mean, it's just a really cool moment between the three of them while they're just rolling around in the dirt over there. Uh, I, I need I need to go. Where are you going? You need to go. My family was here. Mogert's just going to run toward what she would think. They can't be dead. Who was here? Grip and Fang, Thorn and Fang. Grip and Thorn. Grip and Thorn. Are those the Australians? Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. A couple of them. So Mogert's going to run to where she would think where they were, like the audience would have been sitting or just around that area like she's gonna be looking probably hollering out mom dad smoky you take off kind of like looking around and when you do now you can see there are other people you all see people who are like pulling rocks out there are some people's like everybody stayed back you know pretty far from where you guys were during this huge fight Everyone that could, while you guys were downstairs, I mean, or underneath the rock, you wouldn't have known it. But essentially, the, they were all running away, like clearing out, you know, because there was a big battle going on right here. But now that the battle is over, you're seeing some people start to trickle in more and more people. Hovenkel, Kilmont, and Sinan, they, they get back up pretty quickly, and they begin looking around as well, and they're, they're talking amongst themselves about what they should do to help. Mogert, you're running off looking somewhere. What are the rest of you doing? I'd probably go look for... Grip and Thorn as well. Okay. Chris, you and Claren going to help out? Yeah. As you all start kind of setting about, like, looking around to clear things out, uh, you hear someone calling out to you, uh, approaching from the other side. Georg! Georg! And you see Juniper waving, and there's someone with her limping along. Uh, you can see that it looks like their leg is tied up in some kind of a splint, uh, and it's Queen Barda. And they are sort of shambling toward you all. So you all see them. Do you do you all go to them? Yes. You're... Mogert does not. Mogert, you, you see other people at the moment. You do not see your family. There are people who are trapped under rock, and you know people are trying to pull them out, and there's all kinds of going on. I mean, if there's people on. on the way that's hurting and need help as I'm going, I will help them, but I'm looking for my parents. Sure, yeah. I mean, absolutely. There, there are people who are hurt, and there are people pulling them out. At this point, like, the further you get away from the central area where you guys were, the more, like, soldiers and people you see that are here helping and working, and you can be looking for your parents. So as you are going, Mulgar, the rest of you, or at least Kjork, the other, what do the other two do? Other three, what's Jim doing? I'm also going with Kjork. Jim is kind of just observing, looking around, trying to figure out What's going on? Where where the things are? Who the people be? So, Kjorg, Juniper, and Barda, they come up to you, and Juniper starts talking. Like, you know, she hugs you. She runs up. She hugs you. I, I'm uh, Kjorg. Uh, I'm 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 so glad you're okay. Um, you've gone back to normal, Kjorg, at this point. Okay. The the werewolf thing and the forearm thing, it's all you know dissipated. Okay. Uh, um, is is everyone okay? Is is anyone hurt? Yes, there have been many casualties. I, I know. In fact, I am on the brink of death. Are you? Here, and she pulls out a uh, healing potion and gives it to you. Thank you. Barda and I, we've been, we've been helping the king. Uh, he, if it hadn't been for Juniper here, the king and I would probably have been killed. 
there was an explosion quite near us, and um, she managed to get a uh, a shield around myself and her, uh, and somehow she helped the king too, even though he was way out there. She she tried to reach you all, but um, I just wasn't fast enough, you know. Uh, it was kind of a lot, and um, I'm just glad to see that you're all okay. Yeah, I think everyone's pretty much fine except for Clarence's dad. The Falcon? He's dead. Oh. Well, th- there are a lot of people who have gone missing. Um, we're looking for them. There are people who are hurt. There are people who have died. Um, but but we've also managed to find a lot. The King Durand actually led a lot of folks out. Um, he managed to find a tunnel uh, and get them out from the second level. Um, he found um, uh, Mogert's parents were down there. Uh, where is Mogert? She's looking for her parents. Maybe we should tell her. Yeah, um, and she's like looking around. Mogert, have you kept moving away from them? Yep. Okay. What, uh, Claren, could you could you go get Mogert and, and, and tell her we, we know where her parents are? Wait, how far away is she? She's not super far. I can just cast message towards her. Yeah, that's fine. Mogert, we know where your parents are. Come back. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't even think of that, Chris. I, I never even crossed my mind. That was me running for leave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got, I got. It's okay. It's been a long, long day. It really has. Um. Uh. Um. Uh, by the way, I, I'm Juniper. She says, and she like extends a hand to you, Jim. Shake your hand. Ah, Jupiter. I've heard of you. Uh, sh- shake your hand. Well, I didn't realize that I was, uh, you know, making waves, especially with the wrong name, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Always the wrong name. Oh, yes. I am from uh, the uh, Tonya's Tea Cubby. And I came here to help with the efforts. I come with Sedaid. Uh, oh, you mean, so, so you, you came, you were the with the Blue Dragon then? Yes, uh, the very one. Uh, well, I'm glad. Your, do you know Jim Millil? He reminds me of my friend Brackle. Oh, yes, we are cousins. <laughs> no, you're not. You know, I, I kind of may, maybe a little. Um, Brackle's is his own man. Um, well, thank you, uh, Jim. Uh, yes, Jim. Thanks for your help. Queen Barda has has some things she needs to do. Where are they? Uh, c- calm down. They're they're okay. Although I could have probably taken them all by myself because I'm the people's champion. I'm going to escort Mogert to her family, okay, uh, with Queen Barda. And also, by the way, Kjorg, Fang and, and Grip, your, your friends, they're helping us too. Oh, good. I was looking for them. They got a little banged up, but they're both, they're both okay. Um, so, anyway, it was nice to meet you, Jim. Likewise. Anything you can do to help, we, we greatly appreciate it. And then she walks off with Mogert. I don't know who you are, but you rolled a dragon, so you're probably pretty important. So, I'm Ogert. I gotta go. Don't trip and die. Uh, the dragon's more important than me. That's what I would say, too. She's walking away. Sanayan walks up to you guys. Hello! It's nice to meet you guys. My name is Sanayan, the Conqueror. Oh. My brothers here tell me that you're good friends of theirs. And any friends of theirs is a friend of mine. He extends a hand to you, Kjork. Ah. He's not as tall as you, but he's he's almost as tall as you. I grasp his forearm with a smack. Oh, yeah. He's like, ah, <laughs> fellow warrior. I like it. I like it. Yes, I defeated Hope and Kel. You 
<laughs> yes. What? No. It's true. He looks over. Hope and Kel, this half-orc says he defeated you. Hope and Kel just kind of like rubs his forehead. <laughs> he, he sort of did. It, it's a long story. <laughs> you are a wimp, Hope and Kel. It's true. Well, mighty, mighty warrior indeed to have defeated. Jim, how are you? I'm well. How are you? You were doing some nice uh, blasting out there. That's good. <laughs> That's what I do. Uh, I know Dervetter said that he needs you to return. He has business for you, but um, I- I'm going to be staying. Oh. Why are you staying? Well, my brothers and sisters need me, it sounds like. And uh, Kjorg, Paylor's champion as I live and breathe. I guess you must be quite the uh, specimen for Paylor to have chosen you as his own champion. Yes, as you could see. Jim is a champion also, did you know? No. It's true. But not the people's champion. No, 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 no. I'm the champion of Antonio. Antonio? Yes, Antonio's champion. (laughs) Antonio chose our champion well. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Very nice. (laughs) I'm Baylor's champion, but also the people's champion. Oh. And the wolves' champion. Oh, man, so many champions in one. Well, I hear we're supposed to collect all the champions so we can merge together to form Voltron. That would be amazing. And we could all have one giant fence together. One fence to rule them all. Yes. Well, this is interesting and all, but there are a lot of people who are hurting. Um, so I'm going to go and help. Are you all going to be helping us as well? Some hurting inside. He leans over, he, he grabs you, Claire, he kind of like does that the back of your neck squeeze thing, and he kind of shakes you by the shoulder. Your whole body just moves like he's very strong. I understand it's difficult, you know, losing people. I was dead recently, quite recently. I've been dead for a very long time, actually. Hmm. Um, but I've returned, and uh, I have been reunited with my family. I'm sure that someday you'll be reunited with yours. But for now, let us stand together, and he pushes you, slaps you on the back and the shoulder. <laughs> there are people who need our help. Uh, Jim Alil, I assume you'll be departing? Yes, I shall. Uh, quite soon. And so I do the thing where I hold my arms out and look up to the sky with my eyes closed. Jim, don't. <laughs> Jim. Remember me. Tell, tell Dervetter I say hello, and um, I will see you again very soon, I'm sure. Yes. He turns into a blue dragon and flies off, and he's like, go over and he's like pulling up stuff and helping so we are both champions of the gods. Yes. And I believe they have plans for us as champions. Oh, I thought we already I already accomplished my job. I think there's more, but yes, you've certainly been doing a good job at your job. I'm bad at complimenting because sometimes it sounds redundant, but there's more work to be done before the chains can be chained up even tighter or whatever we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Oh, yes. The, my prize of a fence of my own is very elusive, it seems. <laughs> yes, someday you will have that fence. That sounds like something I would love to hear more about in detail. We'll be seeing each other again soon. And then Jim puts his arms Hold out. <laughs> Holds out. <laughs> he holds out his arms. Tell the gate soon. appears behind him. He, fa- he, he like, trust falls into it, and he's gone. <laughs> Call me. Oh, wait. I hop up. I hop back out of the portal and say, when I have my book out, I was like, wait, I need to get your number. Okay, it's uh, one York. eight it's just hundred. 
Rock. Five, five, five. five Got five, it. Fence. Fence. Spelled F E N S. That's it. F E N S. Fence. You put him in your book of shadows. Yes. So that you can communicate. Is that what you're doing? That's what I'm doing. And then I pop back into my portal. And you're gone. Hmm. The rest of you go about helping with the relief efforts, right? Yes, Chris is lifting rocks. I'm also lifting rocks. At least until my potion runs out. Are you doing the same thing? Sure. <laughs> He's in a moment. He's in a moment because yeah. of his dad. Everything. So you're all helping with the relief efforts. Um, Mogert, you go with Barda and with Juniper. They take you sort of around a, a way where there is a path, sort of like a big slab of stone that goes down into the lower levels where they've cleared it out enough. Um, and down there, your mom and dad are there. You see them up ahead. Mogert! Your dad kind of like pushes his way through the crowd. He comes over to you. He takes you in a big hug. She's kind of... She's crying. Your mom quickly gets free from what she's doing, comes over there as well. Mogert, my dear, I'm so glad to see you. I'm sorry this happened. I'm glad you are fine. But so many people just are gone. I know. We're we're trying to help. Um, But at least you're safe. And I'm glad the rest of them didn't come. Yeah. Sterling was going to bring them, but we, we told him to keep them there. Um, at least until tomorrow. Yeah, he really wanted to be here, but with all this going on, I'm, I'm glad he, he's not. You'll notice that your dad has like a bandage wrapped around his head and it's kind of bloody on one side. What? I don't know what I'm going to do, but I think you two should go. You need to go back home and be with everyone and and take Smokey. Wait, we will. Where's Smokey? We will. Smokey's fine. He's He's not here. We left him in the room. Oh, okay. With the crab. No, the crab. No, what? The crab's in Kjorg's room. He's in oh, our room. Yes. Sorry. No, I, we're not leaving. We're going to stay and help. These people need us. All right. Sterling's got all the rest of the children. They're all fine. And once this is done, we'll go. We've got three dragons here to help. So, I imagine it'll go quicker than it would. All right. Well. I need to go get with the others and figure out what we're going to do or what's going to happen next. Sure, we'll be here and everything, everything will be all right. So she'll just hug them one more time and try to go back to where Kjorg and them are. You get back up there with Kjorg and them and and everyone is is helping now with the relief efforts. I mean, they're pulling rock loose, they're uh, helping people get out. And you all work for hours doing that. It was pretty early in the day, you know, when all this happened. And in spite of the fact that the battle felt like it lasted a long time, it was actually pretty quick, all things considered. You all spend most of the day late into the afternoon working, 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 and you do a lot. Um, and throughout the day, more and more people show up. Before you know it, everyone in Dimmerhold from all three levels of the city, like just about everyone is coming to help. People are are setting up um, stations to help the wounded. They're taking them to the clerics' houses. They're healing them there when they can. They're resituating the rock. The dragons are doing very important work. The mages come. I mean, it's just everyone is doing their part, and in spite of the tragedy of what has occurred, everyone is coming together in solidarity. Claren, you, with a few soldiers, actually head back down where you all were fighting to clear out that area to find out if there are any more wounded and 
do, you find your dad's body there. He didn't get to say anything because he was incapacitated before he woke up and he was dead. Mm-hmm. So he'd probably just look around and, you know, tells him to give him a second. He'll just be down there with him. And he'll start hearing in his head just conversations that he's had the past couple days. I was too late. I'm sorry. I really thought that I could fix everything. But you were too far gone. And you were kind of right. But I just couldn't. I couldn't risk becoming like you. Your mom's necklace is still laying on his chest. I grab it. And I'll look at him again and just take in everything. This could have been different. I wish I wouldn't have wasted my efforts in this. I wish it would have been something more important in a different way. I'm sorry. And the tear will fall off my face. I'll shut his eyes. And then he'll just pick him up. I will try to undo what you have done. If I can help it, I'll try to stop them. As the day goes on and and more and more shifts of people come in and you all are capital E exhausted. I am so tired. You are dismissed to go and get some food and some rest. And since things are so congested here, they tell you just to go back to the Waxing Way Inn. So the four of you come again to the Waxing Way Inn. You go inside, it's, it's a skeleton crew in here, very small crowd. Garla is there. Uh, but she's basically running the place by herself. She has dismissed all of her other, you know, employees and such to go and, and help with all the relief efforts and such. There's a whole mining crew there. Yeah, yeah. There's a mining crew off to one side. She welcomes you inside, and, and she she tells you to, to have a seat. I'll get you something to eat right out. To just uh, just give me a few minutes, okay? All right. Thank you, Garla. So y'all sit down. You're Is all it- sitting down enjoying. Uh, or eating a meal anyway, resting. And uh, Juniper comes in behind you all, uh, and she walks over and sits down. Oh, um, what a day, huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you won. Did we? Yes, we did. That doesn't feel like it. I defeated the champion. Is that really a victory, though? Well, we didn't die. I mean, you won against the Unchained. I mean, we stopped them from accomplishing their goal. I mean, one of us died and come back. That's that's me. But you know, you died. Yeah, I think. I mean, I kind of. I was. I was out. You didn't die. You passed out. I was at zero HP, man. I, was I just not- wish there was something else we could do. What do you mean, something else you could do? I mean, the evil. Witch lady just ran away and Don't worry. she's gone. Don't worry, she'll she'll be showing her face again. I'm sure of it. It'll be the last thing she ever shows. As for you all, I mean, you did it. You won. You know, you. They lost. Yes, many people died, and, and it's not a complete victory. But an incomplete victory is not a victory at all. Uh, that's not true. You're alive. The four of you are alive. But at what cost? I'm not sure how it wasn't a complete victory. These people didn't do anything. 
you do realize it was inevitable for them to attack us and you can't save everyone all the time. Oh yeah, Mr. Champion? It's literally impossible. You let people die on your watch. How does that make you feel? There's nothing that Kjorg... It was also your watch. That's what I'm saying, I know. Okay, okay, look. I don't see your dad in the grave because of something that we could have stopped. I don't think you could have... St I don't know how we could have stopped this, okay? Like, I guess if we had known that they'd planted the explosives and stuff around... Well, this was, this was Kjorg's whole plan. The whole time was here to stop what was coming. We can't blame it on Kjorg. No. And we can't take the blame. It's just... I want to do more. My goal here was not to stop anything from happening because that would have been impossible. It was to prevent them from breaking any more chains and also defeating them, which we did. Steal weapons and get get put in jail? It sounds like we succeeded very, very well. Yeah, thank you. Claren, I know you miss him and you're grieving, but there is no need to attack the three or four people that have actually cared about you this whole time. Look, here's what I want to know, Kjorg. This is not like Branshire. How was this supposed to break a chain? Or, you know, in Branshire, from what you told me, from what I understand, their goal was by that ritual to hopefully kill, weaken and kill Paylor, right? Hmm. I thought they were trying to break a piece of the chain to unleash the chained person. Yeah, 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 for sure. But like what... But what did they do? I guess they really wanted their vetter to show up, but we had already run him off when maybe he showed up. Maybe that's it. Maybe they were hoping he would show up by attacking here and, and, and defiling the gauntlet, but I don't know, Kjorg. I feel like you were their target the whole time. Well, I'm still alive. Here, here. I'm not really sure what else we could have done. Uh, there, there's no, there is nothing good that can come from thinking about what may have been or might have been. We have to go forward, and, and that's the question, isn't it? How do we go forward? What do we do next? What do you? What are you all going to do? Well, I, I mean, you don't have to do anything world-changing, or you know, you've done your part. You stood and fought here just like heroes stood and fought in Branshire. And we changed something. You I'll did? You yeah. So so what do you do now? Chris, what are you going to do? I mean, as much as I would love to stay and help rebuild the city, I have family that doesn't know I'm alive. Yeah. I need to go to them. I, I understand. After that, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. What about you, Mogert? What are you going to do? Well, I've tried like three times to make my family go back home and they're very stubborn like me, but um, I, I was told by Gertie that I was more than just the ancestral guardian of my clan, that I was more of just a guardian of people. And I... I don't think I could go back home knowing what could happen right at my doorstep any day. I just, I don't want to lead that back home, but I do want to stop it. 
if I can, before it reaches the drylands. How will you do that? I don't know yet. Claren? I gotta track down some people. Yeah? I don't know who got him into this mess, or got any of us in this mess. But I gotta go tie up some loose ends. Hopefully it doesn't mean facing whatever that was. Yeah. But I gotta do something. Well, I- I'm gonna stay here. Um, she says, kind of looking over at Kjord. Uh, King Dorond actually offered me an, a position as one of his royal advisors. Like, um, like full-time, like staying on. That would be a pretty good job. Yeah, like a great job. Um, especially now, with everything that's happened, like, they need all the help they can get. The opportunity will open up soon for travel, and... I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Unchained, but I know that King Durand is, is going to be focusing on that next. But um, for now, I, I'm, I'm going to stay here. Where are you going? Do you know? This was your task, right? Your quest, I guess, from, from Paylor. Like, what's next for you? And as she says that, you feel a hand on your shoulder, Kjord. And uh, Hope and Kill is standing there behind you. That's a great question, Kjork. It's actually the one I came here to ask you. Um, my brethren and I, we are going to return to Branshire tomorrow, and we would like for you to come with us. I think that it would be good for you to speak to Paylor face-to-face. And we can get you there much more quickly than a horse. Yes, that would probably be best. And my fellow champion said we would see each other again soon, so... Jimaleel. It would probably be best if I go and see Paylord and see what I can do next as his champion. Well, before you do all that, you see Dorond walking in. Barda right with him in step. She has a cane, uh, but her leg looks a lot better. But both she and Durand are covered in grime, and so are all the rest of you. You guys are filthy. You've been down in this rock, pulling people out. You're covered in dried blood just you know, from the wounds you've had throughout the day. And there's just dirt and grime all over you. He looks very unkingly. <laughs> and he says, um, It's getting late, but we believe we have done it. We believe we've actually cleared out all the wreckage. It's, uh, it's impressive. If it weren't for all of the mages and the clerics and the dragons. Oh, if it weren't for the dragons, there's no way. But um, they have miraculously helped us pull everything out. And it seems that we've found everyone living and deceased and um, we've decided to meet back there at midnight at the stroke of midnight we're going to have one final ceremony for this gauntlet and of course I need all of our, uh, our champions to be there if if you'd be so inclined we'll be there ain't that right Captain Chris <laughs> there's not going to be any more fighting is there no, no, no. Uh, at least I don't think so. Unless uh, Kjork here tries to challenge someone and start something. <laughs> Y'all wouldn't want to lose, would you? <laughs> How much uh, are you willing to put on it? <laughs> that helmet. No, no, mm. let's calm down. We've got a lot to be thankful for. And, and a lot to, to mourn. So, I'll see you at midnight. And he and Barda turn and, and walk back out. If any of you are interested, you would be welcome to come with us as well. I'm sure that our Lord Paylor would be glad to have the assistance. To, to Branshire? That is where we're going, yes. In efforts to stop 
the Unchain. Well, that will be our goal. Yes. All right, you talked me into it. Well. I'll have to get my bags and tell my family that I love them and I'll stretch a little because I'm very sore. <laughs> but I am down to go, as the hip kids say. <laughs> <laughs> as the hip kids say. It's, it's, I ain't got nothing to go back to, so what else do I have to do? Mm, I guess we can bust some heads on the way. We're your family now, Claren. I'll help you find people. I will return to my brothers now, but um, we will we will convene with you all tomorrow uh, if you are going to travel with us. And he heads out. You all enjoy your meal. I find my crab before we go okay. to the ceremony. The crab is dead. Crab's good. Vice grip, he's good. Vice grip. Check on Smokey. Smokey's good. Yeah, Smokey. And as it's approaching the midnight hour, you all uh, head out. As you leave, you notice the whole atmosphere of Dimmerhold has changed. It's approaching midnight. It's it's after 11.30. As you are walking toward where the arena was, the lunar circlet, you can see everything very clearly. It's as if the sun is shining brightly through the crystal ceiling, but you look up and it's not. There is a white beam of light that you can literally see above you like coming down through the crystal ceiling and it comes down and it strikes the very center of Dimmerhold but it is also like a prism of light all pure white light coming out from the crystal ceiling and just illuminating in every direction but it's not bright like it would be on a sunlit day it's like a perfect twilight that allows you to see everything very very well as if it was perfectly lit it still has the feel and the look of, of an evening, like dark, like night, like a night light. The closer you get to the center, you can see now there is a full moon up ahead. As you all gather there to the destroyed arena, the wreckage, but everything is leveled out. It's, it's the, the ground is busted up. The, the stone is all cracked. The only thing that still looks as pristine as it did before is the statue of Dervetter with Atonia in his arms. And everyone has gathered around it and they've made a ring sort of around it. The, the soldier's kind of telling everybody where to go and everything and they've made this ring and everyone is talking. They're not like talking loudly and just making noise, but everyone is kind of whispering and talking as you appear, someone escorts you to the front of the circle. You all get there. Your family's there, Mogert, your mom and your dad, they're with you. Grip and Thorn are there. Hey, Kyog, it's good to see you. Glad that you made it. Um, uh, you know, um, we've been real sad. I've had to go back and tell Fang that you died. Yeah, I would be more worried about you two dying than me. <laughs> Us? No, we're never going to die. <laughs> Grip just says, mm, and smacks you on the shoulder aggressively, but also affectionately. As midnight approaches, Durand and, and Barda step up onto the small platform at the foot of the statue of Dervetter. They are sort of talking to one another, and, and the, the talking and the whispers suddenly start to die down as you see King Durand hold up one hand. He brings his hand back down, and Queen Barda steps forward, and she begins to speak. Citizens, Citizens of, of Dimmerhold, sojourners of the four corners of Manumi, thank you for coming. Today... Our people have suffered a devastating blow from the servants of darkness by those who love chaos 
those who have bowed themselves to Sebastian Blackfire, so many lives were lost. Our friends, our loved ones, our champions. But we say no more. She and Duran hold up their fists and then they bring their fists down onto their chests together in the Dwarven salute. One, two, three. And then all the people salute together in unison. One, two, three. Duran speaks. We weep for our lost and we will mourn them for many moons to come. But we may not end this night without honoring those who have stood against the darkness. Stepping up before him come seven dwarves, each arrayed in pristine Dimmerholdian armor. And in each of their hands, they hold up a large gleaming badge, glowing made from pure platinum, bearing on it the symbol of Dervetter. These seven warriors not only persevered through the gauntlet, but when the evil tenants of the Unchained attacked, they stood their ground, and they fought for us. Barda steps up. Claren three. Who stood against evil no matter what face it wore. May your arrows always fly true, and your heart guide you, champion of the gauntlet. People are kind of like pushing you, saying like, go, go up there, go up there. <laughs> Claren, you step forward, and the first dwarf steps forward, and he pins onto your lapel the platinum symbol of the champion of the Gauntlet of the Moon. Wow. I, I don't feel like I deserve that, but thank you. Duron speaks. Nelly Tilly. Nelly! Dang it, she didn't die. <laughs> Who braved, who braved the dangers of a sinking, sinking city to rescue many, many during the attack of our enemy. May your smile stay wide and your aim stay true, champion of the gauntlet. And you see Nelly come up from the other side and step out, covered in filth. She's bruised and beaten, but she's got a big grin on her face and she waves at you, Mogert, as she walks by. Mogert smiles really big and does the dwarven salute. The second dwarf pins the, the reward of the champion on her lapel. Mogert Stonefire, who drove the witch from her perch in the sky. And you hear some, Woo! <laughs> may you always stand vigilant in the watch care of those you love, and may you always rock, champion of the gauntlet. You step up and the third dwarf pins the award onto your lapel. Mogert goes over and stands next to Nelly. Draco Kelly. Oh. Orange. Whose, whose courage and flame, flame led many, many from, from the dark depths to a place of safety. May your fire burn bright and your sword stay sharp, champion of the gauntlet. Strutting up out of the crowd, looking rough. He's got cuts all over him. His Some of his like chest plates all bent in and everything. He looks real disheveled, way more disheveled than you've ever seen him. He walks up, he just kind of gives you a little nod and a smile, Mogert, as they pin the award onto his lapel. <laughs> You're up here, dude. Keeps, rocks, and socks, says Barda. Whose magic and ingenuity released the Draken Kelly on the servants of evil. May your rocks ever glow and your wit never wane, champion of the gauntlet. Can I misty step? You misty step over there? Yeah. 
you appear over there, and the uh, the fifth dwarf places the reward of the champion on your lapel. Kjork, the, the people's, people's champion, champion, who pierced the heart of the great, great beast groaned. May your hammer never crack, and your brightness never dim, champion of the gauntlet. It's the people's champion! Here's some woos! Mogart Stonefire. <laughs> you step up there, and the sixth dwarf places the, the award of the champion onto your lapel. And then Barda steps down, and she takes the seventh one from the seventh dwarf. And she steps back up onto the platform, and she places a hand on the leg of the statue of Dravetter. Finally, Finally, this... this Seventh badge is for our fallen champion, Ogrim the Mighty, who gave his life to hold open the path for others to escape. You are the best among us, Ogrim. Rest well, friend. We will not forget you. And she places his pin at the foot of Dervetter. And then everyone cheers all at once for the champions. Mogert holds up Turtle Rock. Yeah. Up in the air. As you hold up Turtle Rock and people are cheering and people are now flooding towards you guys. And people are chanting, Kjord, Mogert, Chris, Claire, and everybody. Everybody's getting ready. Barda leans down, Mogert, with a hand on your shoulder, and she speaks in your ear. And this is over, dear. I'd like you to come with me. There's, there's someone I, I want you to meet. Yes, my queen. The celebrations go on for a while, and then they finally start to die down. And you're all there. Barda comes to you, Mogert. She pulls you aside, and, and she begins to lead you away. Do you go with her? Yeah. I'd probably look over at my family for a second. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be right back. I have some important queen business, you know oh, what I'm saying? Well, you've got to go for that, don't you? Just, uh, we'll see you back at the end. All right. right? And we're still going to talk about this whole dragon riding thing oh. you've been telling me, right? Yes. We're going to talk about it. I will learn you all the names. No, I want to, I want to ride. I want, I want oh, to ride. Oh, you want to ride. Yeah, but they gotta drop, you got to ask them if they'll drop me off at the dry lens, all right? Oh, and yeah. Don't tell your mother. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right, I'll, I'll do that. two of you go. You make your way over to the western side of Dimmerhold, where you haven't spent much time. You went over there once to the Waning Way Inn. You go up near the Waning Way Inn, but then you take a right, and you go up to the very end of there, and there is this large building. Honestly, it looks more like a cathedral than anything else. And Barda tells you, this is House Hammerheart. It is the third great house of Dimmerhold. Oh, that's cool. You've got the Shatter Shields, you've got the Frost Beards, and you've got the Hammer Hearts. The Hammer Hearts are traditionally uh, a great religious house. Many of the greatest clerics who ever lived came from this house. She takes you there, you go inside, and it's a great hall. Uh, there are a lot of people here right now. They're, it's sort of turned in almost to like a, sort of like a military hospital situation, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people coming in and out, and people seeing the clerics, and, and it is kind of busy. But the queen, covered in all the soot and the grime, she kind of slides past people without anyone knowing who she is. And she takes you out of the main entry where you are, and she takes you down these halls. And down the hallway, you're seeing there are, there are beautiful paintings on the walls. 
they show like crazy scenes of dwarven history. There's one that looks to be depicting the first dwarves coming to Dervetter there on the sands of the ocean at the creation of Manumi. There's one of Kilmont on a great beast leading the dwarves into war. And there's one that's like the first mines being cut into the mountain where Dimmerhold is formed. There's one of Norman and his great bow. Norman is there and his great bow. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously what it is. Dorvin. It's Dorvin. Yeah, I'm sorry. Dorvin. It was Dorvin. Norman is. Norman was your cousin. Um, You come down to the end of this great hall and there is a huge door. It's like these big stone doors with a big graven symbol of Dervetter on it. This is uh, actually a throne room. Each of the great houses have a throne room for at times when each of the houses have had a king. Um, It's been some time since the Hammerhearts had a king. But just go on inside. I'll wait here for you. And um, they're waiting for you inside. Don't be afraid. I'm afraid. Don't be. It's all right. I'll be right here. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll go. Okay. You press through, pushing into the door? Mm-hmm. So just so you know, mm-hmm. the Hammer of Winter and the Turtle Rock are on my back like in an X. Inside, there is a long silver runner on the floor leading to a great stone throne. You step inside and you hear the large stone door close behind you and you lift your eyes up to see on that great stone throne, which is surrounded by long streamers hanging from the ceiling, black with the silver signet of Dervetter, a striking figure. His head is adorned with a crown of pure moonlight, pale white. Bearing on that crown is the crest of the anvil, the hammer, and the crescent moon. His eyes glow silver, and his long, dark beard form a curtain around his expressionless lips. His skin is the color of ash, his hair the color of a metallic night sky. He sits with his arms crossed over a thick breastplate of the purest silver, his body completely covered in heavy armor. His crossed arms rest on the end of a great hammer, its head rested before him on the floor. It is the god of all dwarves, Dervetter. Welcome, Mogert Stonefire. I have need to discuss with you a matter of great importance. Will you talk with me? Of course, whatever you need. And she'll get down on one knee. It's quite all right. There's no need for that. Come, let us speak. And he, like, waves his hand and a stool appears beside him. Looks like it's made out of pure moonlight. She goes and sits down. Mogert, there is a great battle yet ahead for us. For all of us. And you, my dear shouldn't have been able to live a simple life. You should have stayed in the drylands, been your people's protector. Got married if you so choose. Have children if that's what you like. Just live your life for you, however you choose to do so. But you've chosen the fateful path. You put yourself in harm's way. You stood against darkness. Wielding that hammer, he says, and the hammer of winter floats up off your back and into your hands. 
That hammer has a great importance. The first king of Dimmerhold received that hammer as a gift from me. I made it myself in my realm. And in your hands, it was powerful. Could you feel that power? Yes, I could. When you struck the tiefling devil, did you sense that power flowing through you? A cold power. Indeed, for I am the god of winter. And that my power is cold. Morgert, there is a god chained beneath the sea. That god is my father, I suppose you could say. You know this. Yes. Kjorg told me a lot about all that. If our father breaks free, he will rain destruction down on all of our creation. You, your dear mother and father, Sterling, Max and Bax, all of them. Kjorg, Laren, Chris, Smokey, King Durand and Queen Barda, their dear twins, every living soul on this world will be lost. Many were lost today, but it will pale in comparison to what that great evil will bring, you understand? And as he says that, you can feel cold radiating off of him. I I understand. <sighs> The gods have made an oath that we would no longer interfere with the affairs of our people. The time has come to break that oath. My brother Pelor has already done so. My dear Otonia. He pauses. If so as well. And then Blackfire took her life from her. Now it is my time to step out. Soon we will fight. We will take death to our father. But once I break the sword... He says, and he stands up, and he steps down off the throne, and he turns and looks at you. I will no longer be the god that I am today. And so before I do that, I... Need something, Mogart. And I'm going to ask you for what I need. Will you hear my request? Of course, I'll do whatever you... You are under no compulsion to accept, dear child, but I I need a champion. As Kjork has been touched by the power of my brother, Aelor... So would I like for you to receive my power. And you've seen how that changed him, haven't you? I have. He has four arms. (laughs) That suits him. The power will do something different in you, Mugert. But you must understand something. And he steps over towards you and he reaches down and he kneels. And he takes you by the hand. If you agree to become my champion, Mogert, 
it comes with a great cost. There is little chance that you will ever lead a normal life. You will not be the same. You will not be like your peers. You will become something new entirely. To take on this path means to walk away from the people you love, knowing that it is unlikely that you will ever get to return and just live with them the way you have in the past. This is not a temporary boon, Mogart. If you become my champion, this will be your life. That is very hard. It is. But I'm, I'm afraid if... I'm afraid if I don't do everything I can and help you and defeat these people, there, there will be no home to go back to. If the darkness is not stopped, then no, there will be no home for any of us. But the choice is yours. What say you? He lets go of your hand and he stands up. She's gonna stand up. Mm-hmm. She kind of nervously like plays with her braid and kind of stands up and looks around a minute and kind of moves away from the stool, kind of looking out at the door. And then she calls Turtle Rock, "Let's rock!" And then she has the hammer of winter in her hands. Mm-hmm. And she flips them right. where the, both of the heads go down to the ground. Okay. With a big thud. Mm-hmm. And she goes down on one knee. I will be your champion, Dervetter. He's quiet for a minute. And then you look up. And he's not smiling. He's very stoic. Which is basically all he is. So you shall, daughter. And he reaches his hand forward and he places it on top of your head. And you feel an icy, cold power leak down from your head into your bones, down your spine. So you shall. Piercing white walls rise up into bright obscurity toward a ceiling that cannot be seen. A great marble platform hangs in the midst of the air, octagonal in its shape. At four of these eight sides of the platform, there stands four great doors. One is of the purest gold, bearing on it the son of Pelor. Before the door there sits a majestic throne, also carved from pure gold. The arms of the chair are molded as the paws of a lion, and from the high back of the seat are spread two great golden wings. The next door is more narrow, seemingly formed from solid pearl. On its facing is engraved the scallop of Prevalian, marked with the many colors of her magic. Before it rests a narrow, high-backed seat, 
It gleams white, formed from the same pure and perfect pearl. Its high back is composed of cylindrical flutes, and each shines upward with the vibrant shades of Prevalian's power. The third is a double door, both wide and equally tall. It is charcoal gray, made from the deepest iron of the mountains. On its face, covering the split of the double door, is the silver anvil of Dervetter. His throne sits before the doors, an enormous chair of black stone lined with dwarven runes etched in mithril silver. Across the surface of this throne lies a layer of icy frost. At once, in perfect unison, these three doors open. And a light even brighter than the ever-distant ceiling shines upon the platform. Stepping out from their respective places come three figures wreathed in their own light and power. Palor approaches the center of this great floor, his head and face adorned with hairs red like the flames of sunlight, alit with power. Dervetter approaches, his cold footsteps thudding across the pristine marble floor as his cold breath steams in the presence of his brother's warmth. His silver light mingles with the brightness of Palor's flame, and the two embrace. The third figure then steps forward into their light. Tall and slender, her hair falls down her back, brushing lightly across the floor. It is cerulean blue, like the clearest ocean. Her form is pristine, like perfect lines, thin and graceful. She is adorned with a long robe of many colors, which shift in the light, sparkling like stars of red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Her eyes shift in color like the waves of the ocean, and her voice flows like the song of the southern winds. The three standing in the center of their chamber embrace, and for a time they weep silently, each bowing their heads toward the fourth door and throne. A wooden door, deep mahogany, bearing the triquetra of the fallen goddess Atonia. It's preceded by a short, wide stool carved from the trunk of a cherry tree. The bark that once covered this trunk has begun to flake, falling off onto the marble stone floor in pieces. They turn again, returning to their respective thrones, where they sit, facing one another. Moments pass, no one speaks, until finally Dervetter shifts on his throne, leaning forward with his face in his hands, then leans back, gripping the arms of his chair, as he proclaims, I have broken my oath. I have taken a champion. I have waited too long, brother, sister. But the time has come at last. As the words leave his mouth, his silver light seems to dim. He shrinks just the slightest bit as the glory of his power is diminished. Pelor bows his head. Thank you, brother. 
And I am sorry for everything, for the loss of your love, our dear Atonia, and now for the cost that you have paid. Take heart in knowing that I, too, have paid that price, and we do not stand alone. Gravalian is quiet as the other two lock eyes in understanding. So it has been decided that the two of you have sacrificed your eternity. You will fade now. Both look down, neither willing to meet her beautiful, piercing gaze. We are gods. We are the mothers and the fathers of Manumi. The faith of our people still remains strong as, as it ever did. And yet, because of our own fears, now we have doomed ourselves. For gods, we were fools, she says, crossing her legs, rubbing her eyes in frustration. Ah, oh, there's nothing to be done. Chaos is moving too quickly. The darkness of Kroontot grows around his prison. Try as I might, I cannot see the workings of Blackfire nor his servant. That is the most frustrating part of all this debacle. That the movement of our enemy is entirely invisible to us. She pauses. The seas are churning with agents of chaos. The sort of great beasts that took to the depths of my seas in the beginning and hid themselves have resurfaced. For our children, the path of the seas safe no longer. It is the same in the east, says Paylor. The people of Brenshire. Sylvondale, Barlin's Pass. They are immobilizing what forces they can muster. Bands of orcs are raiding villages. Monsters of chaos are staking their claim on the forests, caves, plains, skies. I am in the mountains. My people are no longer safe in their homes of the north. The peace for which they fought so long has come to an end. They enter again into a season of war, but this time the clock is short. Very short. Provalian stands, her hand to her chin, as she considers the plight of their world. I have already sent my divine will to my most devout followers. The elves have received my inspiration. And they are building, preparing for the worst. And the worst will come. She stops, turning on a bare heel, a look of determination on her face. And I suppose, when it does, I shall be there to face it. Revalia, I... She appears before her beloved, a soft finger placed over his lips, his sunlit flames roiling around her hand. My dear, there is nothing else to be done. 
I simply cannot remain while the rest of you go on without me to whatever unknown mystery this future holds. She places her hand on his cheek, looking also toward Dreader. We shall face him together. It is true, I do not want this path. But honestly, she says, fluttering over to her sister's throne, the moment this fell beast, cursed be his name, took her from us. He sealed his fate. Pelor and Dervetter join her, standing before the dying throne of Atonia. They each bow a knee, placing a hand on the trunk. Light engulfs the stump, prism of color mixed with silver and gold. The light dances across the broken bark until the work is finished. In place of that dying throne now sits a beautiful monolith, woven together in pure silver, gold, and pearl. On this monument there is a facing plate of cherry wood. The Triquetra Vatonia burned into it. Trevetter speaks, his face dripping with tears. For you, my love, we will give everything we have. Everything that we are. And with the aid of our avatars, our champions, we shall pierce through the heart of darkness. We will hold our crooked father and his son of corruption responsible. Together we break our oath and we commit ourselves to the battle for the soul of Monumi. The time has come for war. We will stand in your place, dear sister. Dervetter lets his great icy hammer fall to the ground with a crashing boom. Aye, stand we shall, and the gods of today shall stand to the very last to mine the way for those who shall stand an hour tomorrow. Thick, dark, Clouds gather o'er the tumultuous waves. The moon is entirely hidden, and not one single star shares its glimmer on the black seas below. Many leagues from the southern shores of Monomy, in a place untraveled by any living thing, a dark figure is hovering high over the waters as the winds and thunders toil about him. Lightning strikes around him in a spray of nature's electric power. The striking bolts illuminate the figure for a solitary moment. His skin is obsidian, darker than the night itself. His bare chest is exposed through his open coat, long, twisting in the winds. He holds out his hands, 
and they begin to glow deep red and purple. A cone of dark, twisted light comes from his palms, pointed downward. They twist their way to the rolling seas like serpents, and at their touch, the water peels away, a force of repulsion waving through them in a current. The seas churn and turn, twisting and spinning like a great whirlpool, all the way down to the unfathomable depths of the sea where light has not been seen since millennia past. The figure begins his slow, hovering descent into the dark. The waters spin around him at dizzying speed. In their currents, the corpses of great beasts can be seen, their bones watching as the black fire invades their unrestful place. Just before this figure reaches the bottom of the great watery cone, he stops. The dark light from his palms gyrates around him, holding back the destructive waters as he lowers his gaze upon a strange sight below. A deep, shuddering sound echoes up to him, like the growl or purr of some ancient beast. In the darkness, a smile crosses the lips of the hovering figure. Four more arms sprout suddenly from his back and his sides, and they begin turning and twisting in form, calling forth his deep power, forming it into the visage of an enormous spear. With a yelling heave, he strikes down toward the ocean floor, blowing back the thick black layers of mud and muck settled there. The Spear of God power chimes as it connects with the unbreakable chains that cover the prison of his father. It drives downward, spinning, swirling, as it grows sharper, stronger. The cage begins to glow as the spear shifts and spins, twirls and swirls, seeking all around for the smallest chink in the chained surface. It strikes at the silver, but is repelled. The gold moves with its pressure, but remains unbreakable. The bluish-green chains shift, catching its point at every turn. But then, in the midst of the other three, a dull orange link flickers into light. Aha! There it is. Now it is time. Release him! With a growling scream, Blackfire twists with all his might, driving his dark power toward the flickering orange link. The chains heave, shifting to catch it in their light, but his speed and power are too much and as the point of his spear of dark god power strikes the orange light of the cage, the whirlpool caves in all around him, the cold waters crashing down on the hot chains below. In moments, the seas settle once more. The winds slow, the lightning stills, and darkness envelops the world again. All 
is still. Completely still. Utterly still. But then, as the waters stir and swirl once more, there is a sound rising up from the great deeps.